0: Warning, the following broadcast is not approved by your teacher, university, politician, or government. Side effects may include skepticism, better reasoning skills, liberty, peace, and an escape from the woke. Welcome to the show. I am your host, L.B. Muniz, and this is the Binaway Podcast for Better Sense Making. Hey, do me a favor before we start the show. We're kind of going through this out, this little interview that I like. I love this tweet, by the way. Always gets me pumped up. If this is your first time listening, or hey, if you check out a couple of my articles and you've you know listened to the show a few times or you're just coming across this, can you go to binawake.com to subscribe with your email address? If you can't, can you follow me on whatever platform you're listening to right now? This show is available on Rumble, on X, on YouTube. And of course, in the Apple Podcast app, and really every podcatcher out there. But the best place to go, the place where you can get everything, including the original articles when they're produced, and also the videos, the video functions of this segment and the audio is beenawake.com. That is going to take you to the Substack where I kind of host everything out of. And thanks to Substack for that, they do make it really, really easy. And then you can stay in tune. You can stay in touch. You can read the articles. You can listen to the stuff. You can comment if you want to become a premium subscriber. I am running a promotion right now for people. If you're listening to this, you want to say like, hey, I like this guy. He does some interesting stuff. It's 50% off forever. That's 50 bucks for the year for as long as you want to stay subscribed. If you think about it this way, where if you want to think about it as us sitting down, having a nice conversation over dinner, I've certainly spent more for dinners recently than $50. So I think it's a pretty good deal. You get instant access to the archive. There are, this is going to be episode, I guess this is going to be episode 91. I mean, really, there's been more than 91 episodes because when I do a long live stream, which I am going to do another one. So if you want to make sure you follow me on X, especially, you can, you can find out when those are going to happen as well as the sub stack. I do, I do, you know, if I do a long live stream, what I do is I cut up the stories, So like there'll be 88.188.2. So we've probably hit a hundred broadcasts at this point on the RSS feed, but for some reason I feel the need to count the unique broadcasts as episodes in themselves. So this is going to be uh, episode. No, this is episode 90, not 91. The next one's going to be 91. I'm recording a few of these uh, to release. So what are we going to talk about today? Well. I want as I'm recording this on uh, what is it? It's it's February the 24th. The Super Bowl was two weeks ago. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl and conspiracy. And if you're if you're watching this, uh, if you're watching this, you can see it up on the screen. I'm very proud of this graphic. I like how it turned out. I tried using some AI stuff and then ended up just doing normal uh, graphic work to continue, but I I like this. I like this graphic. I think it turned out really well. We're going to be talking about the super bowl and conspiracy. Why? Because the super bowl for whatever else you might want to say to the haters out there is still a major cultural phenomenon in America. It might be waning. It might be going downhill, but for now it definitely is. Um, it definitely is something that people watch people pay attention to. And we're going to get into why in the piece. And, you know, the tag of this, the tag of this project is the mission of better sense making, because I am on a mission. I'm on a mission to help you people who watch and listen to this and read the content. I'm trying to give you a better path to understand the deluge of information that surrounds us. We get into meta narratives and commentary, and we talk about a lot of different things. But usually the things uh, I I try to, you know, I try to comment on many different types of stories, but I try to make sure they have some sort of cultural relevance. What is culture, you might say? Culture is the rituals, beliefs, and practices of a given set of people. Do we have one culture in the United States? It should be obvious to everyone by now that we don't. And I would argue there has, no, there has never been one culture in the United States of America. I think that's something that makes the United States of America unique amongst countries, given our size, given our history, and given our population and our politics. Because that's something else we talk about here on the show. We talk about politics and what comes next. I don't really take an ideological approach to this anymore. I, I analyze and I give what I think is gonna happen, irrespective of what I want to happen. I spent years, and I think, I think a lot of people listening to this show did too, if, you were, if, you're a politi- if you're a political junkie like me, or maybe you're just somebody who likes to stay in tune with things. But I spent a long time trying to force my view of the world, or what I thought, or my view of the world at the time on the broader political landscape. And gosh, I looked at everything and I said, if everybody just listened to me and my ideological cohorts, the world might be a better place. And as time went on, and really, you know, when I started this project, I've done other projects in the past. When I started this project, it was, had a lot to do with the lockdowns in response to the pandemic. And that was something that shook me up. So if you're new to the show, that's, you know, it's something you should understand. That shook me up. If you want to read about some of this, you can read my piece, The Post-Libertarian Moment find at postlibertarianmoment.com. It's available on the Substack for free, even if you're not a subscriber. But if you do subscribe, if you become a premium subscriber, you get access to all the archives and you can watch some of that transition in the way I approach these subjects. So let's get into this piece. The Super Bowl, oops, and conspiracy. So this is an original. I wrote this myself. If you don't know, I write. So let's start with a brief exposition. Ah, the Super Bowl. That one day a year where Americans and fans of American football, yes, I sometimes call it American football, gather around the television screen to watch elite athletes compete for one of the most coveted titles in sport. At least, as far, at least as far for those of us in the United States are concerned. Where once baseball was, and for many is, America's pastime, football became the dominant ritual for sport, has become, for many people, the dominant ritual for sport. We can simply state one reason. So let's, I, I wanted to kind of, I don't know, this is just, I think this is worth talking about, because here's evidence of how technological innovation and technological progress, if you will, but or just changes in technology change the culture. They change what people think about when they think about my favorite sport, the thing, my pastime, the thing that I am going to make it a point to watch because it gives me some kind of a release. I can just kind of enjoy it. Um, And because it's entertaining, right? It's at, at the very least it's entertaining. So one reason that football has supplanted baseball is economic. It's basic economic calculation. After all, the NFL regular season is only 18 weeks with your favorite team playing 17 games. And then you have the playoffs compared to Major League Baseball, which lasts about six months and 162 games per team. Again, before the playoffs actually happen. It's an easier commitment to make. The second reason we can assert is technological. Before the wide adoption of television and the advent of high-definition tele- TV, the pace of baseball was more attenuated to a radio broadcast or a small screen in the corner of the bar- corner of a bar. I still love to go to a baseball game. I don't really watch it on TV very much or listen to it on the radio, but I grew up doing that. My dad would always have the White Sox playing. No matter where we were, no matter what was happening, that's what he would tune into on the radio and Because it's a slower sport, doesn't it's not as and because you know there's just one there's not as many things happening as one at once, you can as a broadcaster capture that for your audience. Moreover, the structure of a football game makes it easier to take the all-important commercial break to pay the bills. Right? If I I went to my second NFL game this year uh with my buddies around New Year's, shout out to them. Um and it it wouldn't be something that I would have chosen to do, but one of the guys wanted to. And I thought it sounded like fun. And we had a good time. Of course, it was, always, you know, it's always nice hanging out with people, having a good time. But of course, one thing I can remember as a kid going to the football field and like at, at the Bears games, they would say something like, you know, there's a timeout where on the field. Oh, and what that meant was they were taking a TV timeout. So they were they were stopping play, even if nothing, even if there wasn't a timeout actually happening on the field, they were stopping play to take a commercial break and there's something about the game of football that makes that easier because of all the starting and stopping that's involved right if we think about other major sports we'll take the biggest one soccer or football to pretty much the rest of the world but you know in in soccer gameplay is continuous you don't really take breaks you get your one half time and then you get your extra time at the end the, the clock doesn't stop but in sports like football and basketball, there's a lot of stoppage. There's a lot of stoppage of play that occurs in football in particular, right? Each time the ball is moved up the field, the team needs to reset and, you know, the line of scrimmage moves up, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of start starting and stopping. So there's a lot of time that you can run commercials, which means you can make more money. And of course, if you don't know, the NFL is a billion dollar enterprise. And even if it is a billion dollar enterprise, and even if it is, a major cultural institution, a lot of people have been losing faith in the NFL. Having now completed its 58th season, gosh, I hope I got that right, the NFL still remains popular. In fact, compared to 2022, or no, 2023, reports indicate that viewership was actually up, not down. And a lot of people contributed that to Taylor Swift, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Despite this, the NFL has not been without controversy or concern for the average American. As an emergent popular phenomenon, which I think, you know, I don't know, maybe somebody can out there can prove me wrong, but I think part of the reason why football became popular is because people like it. As an emergent popular phenomenon with billions of dollars at stake, other institutions, so as, as football became more popular, other institutions sought to capture the intention and the hearts of the dedicated fans one element found across major sporting events is the singing of the national anthem and other patriotic displays. And this happens the world over. To the unsuspecting patron, these appear to be innocent displays of patriotism, which is closely linked to sport historically, right? You know, if you look at the larger history of sport, historically speaking, going back, a lot of what we now call sport, right? And in the modern day, we call them spectator sports because really it's not about the people on the field, it's about the people in the audience watching that's why they get paid so much money is because how many people watch it but sport is linked to militarism right it's linked to the warriors it be in part because you know if we're if we're engaging in sport we're not actually going to kill each other now unless you're like the mayans or some other some other tribes across human history which when the losing or the winning team would get sacrificed or aztec whoever it was but in the 21st century and the dawn of the terror wars if you don't know, this, this is some interesting modern history. The U.S. Department of Defense doubled down on these efforts. So, yes, the, the, so yes, it was the case that the National Anthem was a part of sporting events oftentimes. But if my memory serves, it wasn't always broadcast on television. So what happened when they started the terror wars, right, which were all based on lies, all based on or if, or if you want to be charitable, faulty intelligence, but they were lies. The Department of Defense, the DOD, under the oversight of Congress, or maybe not, doubl- they paid professional sporting teams and leagues to keep these practices and to highlight them. This was, per- this was purposefully done as a recruitment effort to encourage Americans to enlist and fight in foreign wars. We can also remember the story of Patrick Tillman, a quarterback making millions of do- dollars who, I will say, honorably gave up his life to serve in the Army and then he sacrificed his life. When his death was reported, it struck at the heart of a nation who still believed we could bring democracy to the Middle East. Now, I guess you could say I'm rel- I'm, I'm a millennial. I'm relatively young. So for me, the terror wars and for for the millions of us who are out there who grew up when we were children when 9/11 happened, the terror wars were very formative to our perception of our government and our country. And at the time there were yes there were people who were protesting the wars. A lot of those people are supporting the wars now but you know that's 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 for another podcast or maybe we'll circle back to it later. That was the mission. The mission wasn't to kill our enemies as it perhaps should have been. The mission was to bring democracy to the Middle East. Because Saudi Arabians, people, Saudi Arabian nation, nationals, right? So people who held Saudi Arabian passports, because they bombed the World Trade Center, we invaded Afghanistan and then Iraq. And this was all, at the time, I can remember, it was all connected, right? We, you, you, you turned on the television, you turned on cable news, you listened to talk radio. And all the connections were laid out for you of why the Taliban needed to be overthrown, of why Saddam Hussein needed to be overthrown. I've covered in past episodes that it, it, it wasn't the case that these things were as connected as they appeared. But there was a reason why we chose those countries, because there was a plan, because we thought, not we, the who are referred to are often the people in politics who are often referred to as neocons or the neoconservatives. The neoconservatives, just as a brief historical point, were former Trotskyites. Well, what are Trotskyites? Well, they were left-wing communists who decided to jump over to the conservative side of the aisle for war, because you know, generally speaking, conservative people tend to be patriotic and they tend to support the military. I'm I am making a quick I'm I'm doing a very quick, sir, a quick injustice to a very important historical aspect of modern government. But that's but that's what happened. They were a bunch of left wing Trotskyites and they decided that they wanted to, to team up with the Republicans instead. And they were very successful in influencing Republican politics in the latter half of the 20th century and into the 21st century. We talk a lot about of the show on the show about the fall of um of the fall of the Soviet Union. Right? We historians do this, and I think we need to start thinking like this as well. Historians split time periods up, not according to what governments say, but according to what they see. And certainly, I think it's the case. I think anybody who pays attention would would notice and would see that the government, the United States of the post-World War II era was the dominant superpower with the Soviet Union. And then what's called in the what's called in, you know, the people who study this, they call it the unipolar moment, when the Soviet Union fell. When communism was defeated, a glorious day for freedom loving people across the world. Glorious day for the people who were suffering under the yoke of communist rule and it is my contention and i try to show that in the, i try to i try to demonstrate in the, that in this show when we talk about these things that that moment was squandered and destroyed for future generations instead of being the leader the world needed people like the neocons as i referred to them as before decided to press their advantage and that led up to what happened on 9/11 what happened in the aftermath of 9 eleven, which was destabilizing countries, displacing millions of people. We just take it for granted now that there's that this that there's these migrations that happen across the world. You know, if you listen to people like Bernie sanders, they they blame it on climate change, which is a lie. right? Like, why are we going to look at why are we going to look at environmental cli- cli- climate climactic? climate trends over decades, based on faulty models, when we can look at the reality of war, when we can look at the reality of cities that existed that no longer exist. Millions of people displaced. A lot of those people went to Europe. And now Europe has a lot of problems. They have a lot of instability because of that. Because it wasn't a natural emigration. It wasn't an emigration of choice. It was an emigration dictated by the United States government squandering its position as the world leader. And that's where we find ourselves today in 2024. But like I said, there were people, there were plenty of people who were talking about this at the time. I wasn't always paying attention then, but I was a child. But adults were. Adults, adults ignored this. The important details of Patrick Tillman's death were purposefully covered up, as the late Justin Raimondo wrote. First, they told us Tillman was killed by hostile fire, fighting for Bush's crusade to export democracy to Afghanistan. Then, they said he was felled by friendly fire, i.e. by his own troops. New revelations suggest, although they don't conclusively prove, that this fire may not have been all that friendly. What I want to know, Justin Raimondo writes, is how could someone who was apparently killed from 10 yards away and was hit by three bullets in very close proximity on the forehead be a victim of friendly fire from 90 yards away, as claimed? The piece I pulled from this was written back in 2005, 2006. Kind of something that's forgotten, but at the time it was integral to the story of the NFL. His image was blazoned across the screens. Of course, his former teammates remembered him fondly. And we were told it was all for a good cause. It wasn't just the NFL that did this. That's just, you know, that's just the, that's just the, that's our zoom in point. That's our point of entry to this story. It wasn't just the NFL who took money from the government. But again, as we kind of have pointed out, the NFL is one of the biggest uh, professional football or professional sporting leagues in the United States. So you go as a child and you sing, that. you hold your heart, hand over your heart, you take your hat off for the national anthem, you see the, you see the jets fly overhead, there's fireworks, there's men in uniform, it all looks really cool. And you think, wow, this is neat. And what you don't know is that this is propaganda. This is paid for by the government. It's not people coming together voluntarily in an in a authentic display of patriotism, of love for their country. Which I don't view as an evil. But it but there are evil people who, because everybody is watching the sport, want to capture your attention and try to and try to hold influence over how you look at the world. Continuing. We should also mention the growing science around CTE or chronic traumatic chronic traumatic. Chronic traumatic encephal, encephalopathy. I tried practicing that word beforehand. I knew it was going to mess it up. But CTE, which the NFL tried to downplay, which has caused many parents to reconsider whether they want their young children, as young as eight, or their teenagers, to play full contact football. CTE is is what happens over repeated uh, is is brain is the the deleterious effects that occur from recru- repeated brain trauma. You have lower cognitive function. You oftentimes you oftentimes have can't move there's there's physical mechanical issues with your body because of it and the nfl tried to downplay this now they make it a big deal now now people complain that the sport isn't as isn't as fun as it used to be because it's not as dangerous but it's a real thing now let's but let's continue reading given that millions of dollars uh, given the millions of dollars a player stands to receive in compensation Brain injury may be an acceptable trade-off for the elite, right? If you're one of the best football players out there and you take care of yourself, Marshawn Lynch comes to mind, right? Because he retired quickly as a running back, because he kind of knew that he kind of knew that if he kept going, he probably would end up basically a vegetable. My understanding. It may be an acceptable trade-off if you're one of the best. But it is likely I would hypothesize that the sport will see a decline in participation at the lower levels because of the risk to the average athlete and think about this you know somebody or you might be somebody who was a a very good athlete in your youth and then you got in and you played football and you got injured in a game i can think of a few people in my life who, that i've met who have that story and it destroys your life it destroys the life you thought you could live because of one accident or one bad play or you didn't stretch properly or some guy on the other team decided to play dirty again if you're one of the best And you can make millions of dollars and, you know, technology is improving and now it's a little safer to do it. Now they take better precautions. It's probably still a worthwhile risk. I would probably take it given the chance. But I was never that person. So we have have to understand that governments, the government, the the federal government and state governments, but the federal government has purposefully used the NFL to propagandize a population. They use the good feelings that you have watching your favorite sport on Sunday to justify their unjustifiable wars that have destabilized the world and created a lot of the instability and problems that we deal with now. We have real health concerns for the people involved. And finally, we have to factor in the growing politicization of the country and its effect on professional sports like football. It was now the former NFL player, after all, Colin Kaepernick, who infamously started a trend to take a knee during the national anthem instead of standing, which sparked major controversy across all professional sports. And that's what it was. As I I read this, I remember it wasn't that they would maybe show the national anthem, but the players weren't necessarily on the field. In the wake of riots and protests over the death of George Floyd, many other athletes followed this trend. Athletes across the world followed this trend. And the NFL has adopted slogans such as ending racism, which may seem as a lot of, may seem a laudable goal to the unassuming. It sounds nice, but to the practice observer, which if you listen to the show you will become, it's an obvious political slogan setting up an impossible mission that divides people instead of bringing them together. All of these factors, and perhaps more that I didn't get into, have led many former adherents to the culture surrounding professional football in the NFL to question their allegiance. Not adherence, as that says. I thought I fixed that. For some, the politicization has soured what was an enjoyable experience. Whether it be the brain-dead commitment to left-wing causes, and more importantly, the castigation of right-wing concerns, or the parroting of government talking points, forcing people to accept untested vaccines, so-called, during the pandemic, many have left the cult. They've left, they've left the people who watch football. Now let's talk about Taylor Swift. For those who remain, the most recent wellspring of controversy has been the featuring of pop sensation Taylor Swift at Kansas City Chiefs games. Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, who is reportedly one of the best tight ends currently playing. And the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the league, having just won back-to-back championships. There is more to say about the power Taylor Swift holds in the minds of Americans at the moment, but for many NFL fans, she has become an easy target for hate and derision. For their wives and girlfriends, however, the effects are the opposite. It is true that when the Chiefs are playing, the camera often pans to her box, and the media commentary around the subject of Swift and Kelsey's relationship seems endless. Many people desperately want to prove either way is whether their relationship is genuine or a carefully crafted plot. To that, I say. (laughs) Really? Now, listen, I want to I want to I want to spend a little bit of time because I've had some more thought and there's always like there's always more things I want to put in these pieces, but I try to keep them linear so that, you know, they're good point of a podcast and you know is that i can now expound upon it and kind of connect a couple other through lines So let's talk about kelsey and swift shall we just for a little bit what i think a lot of people don't understand because they don't pay close attention to these things and why should they is how like how things work at levels of celebrity i i don't pretend to be a celebrity right i I don't i don't pretend at all i'm not But I pay attention to celebrities, celebrity news, culture, and the way people look at them and perceive them and think about them. And like it or not, people love celebrity. Even if you're somebody who bemoans stuff like Kelsey and Swift and the mania surrounding them, chances are there's somebody out there you like. There's somebody out there that you're willing to spend your dollars on and take your time to go out and see. If you're like me, that might be going to see, you know, in the past, going to... Going to event, going to networking events that had authors as speakers and and stuff like that. Maybe it has to do with your favorite video game or your favorite and nowadays oftentimes your favorite streamer, right? All these different things. So celebrity exists, people and and people tend to look up to them. And if we're going to look and we're just going to realize that most people don't graduate from high school in their minds, what do Kelsey and Swift perfectly represent? Ironically, and, and I'm not going to forget the irony of some of her old songs. Right? She wears short skirts. I wear t-shirts. She's cheer captain, and I'm in the bleachers. But she's the cheerleader, and he's the football star, right? She's become the she's become the other person in her old music video. She played both parts. If you don't know, she's the blonde, beautiful woman, and he's the he's the top guy on the football team. And, and there is something inside of a lot of us who weren't those people in the past that we don't like. Now, I don't, now there's, there's two lanes to this, right? Like I said, celebrities exist. And, and when you get to a certain level of celebrity, some people are going to love you. Some people are going to hate you. It's just the way things go. There's nothing you can do about that. And you just got to tune out the haters and keep doing your thing because you also have millions of fans. So there's, there's a lane where it's fun to mock Taylor Swift. I was during, when I was watching the Super Bowl this year, I mocked Taylor Swift. I was like, oh, do you think when she was flying back in her plane that she was practicing her faces in the mirror? It's like when she would go to, right? Like she was practicing the facial expression she would make when she knew that a big play was happening and they were going to show her on the TV. Probably. Well, at this point, it's probably so practiced that she understands how to act in those moments, but still, which isn't that crazy. When you think about somebody who was always in front of a camera, right, I, I, I grew up in the performing arts. So for me, how, what, how my body looked and moved and my facial expressions were important. And I can remember practicing smiling in the, in the mirror as I was a kid, when I was a kid. But if you never had the opportunity to be on stage or be behind a camera, you wouldn't think that you would bother to practice that. Why would I practice my smile? I just kind of smile and I take the picture. Right? If you're a model, you got to get good at you got to get good at giving that pose. Right? You got to give your best blue steel. I don't know why I said that, but whatever. So there's an element where archetypally, given that most people don't graduate high school in their minds, they kind of represent that thing as like, ugh, the popular kids. And the nature of popularity is that not everybody gets it. Now you can have fun with it, but obviously a lot of people take it way too seriously. A lot of people get way too upset that a pop star is dating a football player. And from my, from what I've seen, a lot of that has to do with age, right? Because old people just like to complain and the, but the other part has to do with class. Think about it this way, right? There's what, how many teams in the NFL? I don't want to say the wrong number, but there's a number of teams in the NFL and they all play each other, but Taylor Swift is only repping one team. So for all so while as, as a Kansas City as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you might love the fact that you're getting some extra shine. If you're the opposing team, every time Taylor Swift is put up on the TV, you're reminded of the fact that your team isn't as popular as that team. And like and as we as everybody knows if you pay attention, the the Chiefs are kind of the the it thing right now, right? They're making a lot of compa- they made a lot of comparisons during the Super Bowl, which is really one of the only times that I get my my football downloads other than when I hang out with my family. A lot of people are making comparisons between the Chiefs and the Patriots under Tom Brady. Saying that they're building a dynasty. So you're reminded every time to, not only are you reminded when your team gets their butts whooped, but you're reminded every time they pan to Taylor Swift that you're not as cool as they are. Then you got to think about the fact that chances are your girlfriend or wife or your sister Likes Taylor Swift and plays it a lot. Maybe your daughter, or your daughter. You got to listen to it all the time. And she is so, and she's reached such a level of omnipresence over the last couple of years, given and on her eras tour. It's, it is, it is worth looking at. Just take a step back, remove your emotions from the equation. It's pretty incredible because she didn't, she wasn't always this big star. But now people will pay thousands of dollars for a ticket. People will pay thousands of dollars for a single ticket, not having anybody to go with, just to see her on stage. We are creatures of cult. There's a cult of the NFL. There's a cult of Taylor Swift. And those things combine. Turns out it's not hurting viewership. So, of course, they're going to talk about it. Of course, they're going to pan to her during the game. A lot of the art, a lot of the articles are like, "Oh, we're going to defend Taylor Swift." A lot of them are pointing out, you know, she was only on there for like point, point, like it was like it was like a fraction. It's I got, it. I actually got it right here. It was a fraction of the time she wasn't really on TV all that much. If you really look at it, I got, I got the stat here though because I linked to it in the article. What does it say here? Sportingnews. dot com. How much screen time does Taylor Swift get during Chiefs broadcasts? Pop star not as visible at KC games as you think. Taylor Swift's presence at Chiefs games has captivated some and inflamed others. She's become something of a fixture at Kansas City Chiefs games. Kansas City games, standing a few leagues above the action as it unfolds in the marshes, which is another aspect of this. She's not sitting on the sideline. She's up in the box. right? She's literally above everybody. But Let's see. Okay. Uh, she receives just 0.46% of available screen time during the game. She attends now let's, we want to take apart that stat. We absolutely can, because of course, most of the time the gameplay is on the field. So the question is who's, who's being panned to outside of the field. So really, if you wanted to do the study and I don't care enough to do it, but you would, you wouldn't measure the total time you would take that number, but then you would take out all the time, all the time of, of, of actual gameplay and you would take out all the commercial breaks. And you would see how much time is she being looked at by the camera when gameplay is not occurring. And I would venture to guess that number would be a little bit higher than 0.43%. But it's, but, 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 but their relationship, but their relationship is false. It might be, I don't know. I don't have personal knowledge and I don't really care. But what you have to understand about living the life of a celebrity is that, yes, some of your life is false because you, because that's what you're expected to be. Now I've asked some people who do know a little bit more about this and they say, no, I mean, the guy had said years ago he was going to shoot his shot with Taylor Swift. He thought she was pretty. He thought she was talented and he wanted to make a move. So that's what he did. And that guy was Kelsey. And so like, and so like, there, but so it's like, oh, but but, like, but like, you know, they, their people, his people talk to her, that, that's how it works. If we think about a world before dating apps, a lot, of, or if you think about what it was like when you were, when you liked a girl, when you were a kid, did you go right up to her? Or did you talk to her friends to see if she liked you and vice versa? If you're a woman listening to this, you probably went, you probably went through other channels to make sure your approach was worthwhile. And what I'm trying to emulate here is that what from your position might appear as this play literally being put on for your entertainment could still have genuine roots. Again, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a skeptic. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Which brings me to the next section of this article. As more Americans become aware of the concerted propagandistic efforts directed, pointed in their direction, designed to capture their minds, many have come to question the validity of the sport as an authentic competition. Questionable calls by a referee have always been a part of sports commentary for as long as I've been alive, and probably long before that. But now, with an added layer of conspiracy there is an honest question at the core. Are these really the best teams competing or are, the best, or are these the best teams for television ratings? Many have wondered whether the NFL is more akin to the kayfabe of the WWE than the pickup games we played as children. And if you don't know this, let me tell you, professional wrestling is scripted. So a lot of people wonder if the same thing is happening with other professional sports. It's entirely possible it's also possible again you know we're just we're just just walking through the logic of the situation it's also possible that sometimes somebody might like somebody else better maybe one team came out and bumped the ref and he decided screw these guys i'm gonna i'm gonna give them a hard time right We see things like this but because our tech now because technology has advanced and we have high definition tv and all these camera angles we as the people sitting at home watching this thing for entertainment we look at it and we're like, how could they miss that? And again, some of that, some of this is just part of the game, right? It's, it's fun. It's part of the, it's part of the appeal. But I think because, like I said, and like I say here, because people are aware, right? We're aware of what the DOD did to try and drive military recruitment. We're aware we all, we all went through the pandemic together. And we saw the way that everybody would pair at the same talking point, even people who were considered independent thinkers. A lot of people were woken up at that moment, right? They were woken up and they realized the world that they believed in was a fiction. And that was the reason why I started this project, the project of better sense making available at beenawake.com. Because this is something that I, for reasons we can get into, had been paying attention to for a long time. And I worry, I do, I worry about this mainlining of conspiratorial thought. I'm not saying conspiracies don't exist because they absolutely do. But I am saying that, I am saying that if you give somebody a loaded gun and they don't know how to handle it, they're probably going to shoot themselves or somebody else. And I think that's, and I think that that's happening, Right. So maybe it is that the NFL is all kayfabe and it's not like the pickup games that we played as kids or the the high school games that you remember enjoying either as a player or as a participant. I don't know. That's the skeptical position, by the way. Not it's all, it's all a lie. Look, I get it. I write, I wrote this entire piece as somebody who has never, never, never in my life have I understood the fervor around professional football or professional sports in general. While I enjoyed being a part of the crowd cheering on my classmates at games, that never transferred to an emotional attachment to the professional or even the collegiate level. I like going to professional sporting events. They're fun. I enjoy watching the games, but I don't pretend to know all the players. I don't pretend to know their statistics. I just enjoy, I just enjoy the spectacle in front of me. I think that gives me a unique perspective to something like this. Nothing has been taken away from me <laughs> in regards to professional sports. My interests were and are in the arts and later and now philosophy and economics. I write this to say, and I say, or I speak this to say to you now if you're reading this as a disaffected fan of the NFL, I get it. I don't watch regular season games unless I happen to be somewhere other than my home on a Sunday. And what I mean by that is somebody else's home that does watch it. As such, I don't have an emotional attachment to the league or to the sport. From this position, I find the ire of some to be puzzling, more akin to a spurned lover than an honest criticism. That being said, I still enjoy gathering with people to watch the Super Bowl. Given our often atomized existence in present-day America, I think it's a day to spend eating good food and maybe seeing people you don't often have the occasion to see. Do I cringe at the woke advertisements? Sure. Could it be that it's all a grand conspiracy? Perhaps. But I think the subtlety of surviving these times is not in reactive anger. That feeds the beast. I talk about this all the time in relation to the cult of American democracy. right? Part of what works, well, is you know when you say something, it's going ri- to it's going to have your base double down on your position, and your opponents criticize you. And you get to use that criticism to, to your advantage. every time. Hey, if you're If you're on these email lists, you-, you see this all the time, right? So-and-so said something about this other politician, and that's why I need your money now. If indeed it is the case that the NFL is no different than the WWE, what, what can we what let's let's pretend I'm going to give you everything. It is a grand conspiracy. It is the fact it is the fact that it's all I accidentally turned the mic off there. It is the fact that it's all rigged. From the beginning, from week one, they know what team is going to make it to the Super Bowl. And they know who's going to win it. We've had how many decades now of reality television at the beginning, it's like, Oh, this is really fun. I'll, I'll, I'll share a personal story to illuminate this. American Idol was something I enjoyed watching as a child. As somebody, like I said, I, I, I do sing. or used to sing more. As somebody who's a singer, I loved watching the TV and I'd be like, Oh man, that might be me one day. I'm going to get on there. I'm going to get on American Idol. So when I turned 16, I drove down with my mom to Kansas City from Chicago. It's, you know, it's in, what was it, five, six hours? Five, six hours to Kansas City to audition. And what I learned that day shattered my, my view of what television was. Because when you try out for one of those reality shows or one of those competition shows, you don't, you don't get in front of the judges. Oh, sure, you've seen the shots. You've seen these things on TV where they fill up football stadiums and everybody's there cheering, ready to go in front of the judges. But that's not thats not what happens. There are, boot, there are about 12 booths at the bottom. Everybody files down. You go up five at a time in front of one or two producers of the show and you sing 30 seconds of a song. And those two people, one to two people, make a decision Whether you're going to move on. If you move on, you get to you. You go through another round, another three rounds of auditions, and if you make it through those, you come back in three months to do the actual audition for the judges that you see on TV. What? I'm a talented singer. I should have my opportunity. No, that's not how television works, baby. So I will grant you that it's all that it's all that it's all a work. It's all fake. It's just like professional wrestling. What can, we, what can we deduce given the data available? We know that if it comes out that the NFL is rigged, there's a high likelihood that people will still watch it in the millions because that's how many people still enjoy the WWE. Most people just want to enjoy the show. Instead of rage quitting, playing the game with the full understanding that it is a game will give you an upper hand. And that's how we win. Well, I hope you like this article. If you think I got something wrong, let me know on X. Follow me on all social media, at the LB Muñiz. If you like what you heard today, Go to binawake.com to subscribe for future updates. My name is LB Muniz, and I am not one with the woke.